Connects Media, this is Atlanta Born and Brand. I'm your host, Jonathan Hilliard. From its inception, this show has been all about introducing you to the founders and creators that make this city special. We've walked you through their journeys from brand new startups to growing businesses to mainstays in the community. This season, we're expanding our focus. We will always be advocates for the little guys, but this year, we want to bring you stories from the whole spectrum of Atlantic culture. From one-person startups to thousand-member teams, there are organizations all around the city contributing to its success, and you're going to hear about them all right here on Atlanta Born and Brand. The global pandemic has left no organization unaffected, but we believe the signs are emerging for a bounce back of epic proportions in Atlanta. guest today is cultural developer Gene Kansas. Gene Kansas leads a commercial real estate brokerage, but his business stretches so far past the norm in that industry. With company accomplishments like preserving the Atlanta Daily World Building in Sweet Auburn and establishing the civic and socially based co-working space Constellations, Gene Kansas, as a company, is about the development of culture through transformative ideas, knowledge, and the sharing of it. haven't started the podcast yet and you've already been a wonderful host here to us which i i wanted to thank you for so thank you for having us here at, at constellations today but there is a question i do like to ask folks uh right off the jump every time and i'm and i'll ask you the same if you bump into somebody on the street that you don't know and you and you start a conversation or or meet somebody at a dinner party or whatever it might be and they ask you gene what do you do what's what's your answer to that question i'll tell them i'm a writer yeah. Because I am. Yeah. It's it's funny though because you know people know what our firm does mm-hmm. in terms of commercial real estate and you know, helping people buy and sell real estate, developing, investing in real estate, and and what we call cultural development. The truth of the matter is though I'm a writer, mm-hmm. and you know I, I like I'm guessing with you, you've always been someone who shares stories in some way from sure. the time you were a kid. So I've been the same as a writer and really use entrepreneurship and more specifically social entrepreneurship as a vehicle. And the medium that I'm sharing these stories in is the built environment Hmm. our company does. So um, that's it. And then it usually like prompts a little bit more of a conversation when I'm having it. Hmm. And I think people are surprised I had a great conversation with um, a professor at Georgia Tech recently in the uh, writing center, the Ivan Allen College. And she asked the same question. And I told her, I'm a writer. She had moved here and was looking for spaces and places in Atlanta to help teach students about the city in which they're living and studying. And she was really happy to hear what I said because it helps to illuminate a path and pathways for students who are within humanities-based education or liberal arts. A lot of people uh, who are in these more creative or cultural classrooms don't know that they can be applying those skills to, to things outside of the track that they've chosen. In fact, they can and are very much in business, just like people who are more, um, let's say, traditionally in business, like 
someone who might be a commercial real estate developer. <laughs> sure. Well, and if somebody asks you about your company, Gene Kansas, the company, uh, ask that same question. Well, wh what exactly is it that you guys do? How do you answer that question? That I'm pretty straightforward yeah. with and tell them that we do um, cultural development. Hmm. And what that means is that we think about and consider people and the things that we do together and hopefully enjoy doing together as people hmm. first and then help to you know understand how that can have some interplay with spaces and places. And... You know, some of the, the services that we do are brokerage. Let's say we help people buy property, sell property, lease property. Um, it's all with this interest in lens of history and culture, though. And hopefully in uh, working with people and on projects that can make some type of difference in Atlanta. Um, we have a fundamental principle of our company, which is to demonstrate what's possible. And that basically means that if we can help develop real estate in a more cultural manner that adds to the cultural fabric of Atlanta, and we're successful in doing that, which does include financial success, I think it's really important. Um, it's not what's leading here, but it's important because if you can do things like put on author talks or provide a platform for people to share their voice or a space for someone to get married or a coffee shop to help you know, uh, support the refugee community as an example, and you can make money, then more people will do it. And that's what we would like to see for Atlanta, a more culturally rich city through cultural development. We want to actually encourage quote unquote competition. Very, uh, very uh, good segue to my, my next question for you is the building we're sitting in today, Constellations, uh, I know is a, a long-term labor of love for you and your company. Um, talk to me about how Con Constellations fits into that mold you just talked about of, uh, it, it is about people and it's about history and it's about culture within the lens of commercial real estate. Tell me about, tell me about this building. I will, and we got a really good head start um, because the building was built in 1910 and had in its ethos from the beginning this notion of uh, being an important piece or part of community building and specifically at that time around education because it was built as the Southern School Book Building and the books from here would go into the schools around Atlanta. Mm. And it was designed by Neil Reed, famous Atlanta architect. Um, Neil Reed with Hence Reed Nadler, really that firm um, helped develop and put on the map the Georgian style of architecture. Mm. And and then in the 1960s, I think that the period of significance uh, of the civil rights era really, for me, is kind of most impactful for this building because it's when Congressman Lewis had his office here in this building as chair of the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee when Ella Baker, who you know was running these grassroots operations or quote-unquote movements as a component to the civil rights movement. We're talking about you know, things like the March on Washington, Selma to Montgomery, etc. Um, with them and Julian Bond as the editor of the Student Voice working from within the walls of this building, and more importantly, sharing 
the benefit of that work well beyond these four walls. That brought this energy and, and consequence that we feel today. And so I consider the work that uh, we're doing here in terms of the cultural development of the building, just building upon what many, many, many others, probably millions of others have done. Right. Now, today, it's a place that you know, we think about as this culturally-based workspace. Um, it's home to 20 different companies, and they're all looking to make some type of like positive difference in the world. Some of them are you know, civil rights law firms. Some are branding firms focused on social justice. Some are providing affordable um, housing for the elderly. Some are doing journalism. Uh, it's, it's a cool place to be. And it's not all about, you know, this kind of more serious side. It's also quite superficial. Mm -hmm. And I mean that in a good way where it's cool to be able to just like grab a cup of coffee and enjoy some music and not do any of this work that's hopefully making a difference. It's good to be able to sit down, have a conversation with a friend about, you know, what they're going to do this weekend or, and I wouldn't call this superficial, certainly not this season, but celebrating the Braves win. Mm. I see that you are a Braves fan. Indeed, sir. Which Indeed. is cool, you yes. know. Um, when, yes. when the World Series was going on, I mean, this place was a buzz, like I think much or most of Atlanta. Sure. And the th one of the things about that, and like let's just say celebrating the Braves for a moment, it's this workspace and the people who are here, the reason that it works is that there's a like-mindedness. Hmm. And being in Sweet Auburn, where we are located, birthplace of the civil rights movement, um, it definitely attracts a certain type of group or person. Um, that type of person cares to make some type of positive difference in the world. They also are likely very interested in the history of Atlanta. So when it comes to history being made, like the World Series, there's a like-mindedness around that too, and it becomes yeah. a lot of fun. Yeah, well, and we, you know, we've talked about with several different guests on this show, uh, life just seems to be richer when you are invested in other people who are not yourself or your family members, and and uh, you know, emotionally, financially, you know, whatever whatever you know way you may slice that. But this, uh, I think, this movement of um, you know shared workspaces or co-working um, in this city has been successful in a lot of different formats because people feel that right. Like you were saying, uh, you know, asking someone uh, you know who works in a completely different business who may may live in a completely different part of town, you know, getting to know that person and then kind of being along for the ride as they build a business alongside alongside you and being able to see and make those connections and, and network that way uh, is a powerful thing, right? And and you touched on it, but I'm, I'm wondering for you individually, you know, your office is across the, the hall here. Um, do you feel sort of a, the extra gravity of what this building uh, provides to that that scenario when you walk in, or even even if it's you know occasionally, weekly, monthly, do you uh, do you find yourself considering, you know, I wonder what was going on in this building fifty years ago? Definitely, yeah. and also thought about this a lot. So constellations is 
it's its own business. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's about um, you know bringing people together essentially to hopefully make some type of positive difference. Mm-hmm. But it didn't start like I wasn't like oh I think I'll start some type of civic and socially bent shared workspace. It was born out of a workshop. And myself with Ryan Gravel, who, you know, founder, creator of the Beltline. Sure. Um, we're talking about workshops. And we both do some volunteering for different workshops um, that are m- multiple day long, volunteer only, like really focused, and I think make a difference. And I had just come off of like a pretty rigorous one uh, about Fort McPherson. And it was fascinating and like, there's some really like, you know, experienced and I think um, thoughtful people in that room. But it was like two days and I was exhausted. And I was like, man, don't you think like we could do like a different type of workshop that was maybe like three hours and um, maybe the panelists can be paid and then we start having fun with it. And Ryan's like, yeah, let's do made to order coffee. I'm like, how about strawberries with whipped cream? <laughs> and let's make it truly diverse. And, you know, the, the general composition, let's say of commercial real estate in Atlanta, let's face it, are older white men. Hmm. And the makeup of Atlanta is much more diverse than that. And so if you're creating or providing insights, let's say, into how this city will be shaped in terms of the built environment, wouldn't it be a good idea to have true representation of that, of all stripes, young, old, you know, black, white, you know, name it. And so we did. And um, and the idea or the question was uh, about culturally inspiring workspace. And we had like an independent bookstore owner, someone who's like just into like new urbanism, um, industrial designer. We had Jamie Allen who created the squirrel census there. Um, And others, uh, Matt Finn, who ended up being the architect of Constellations was there, who focuses on healthy design. And we came away with guiding principles and they are, um, community with retreat, um, variety of experience and opportunity, and freedom of choice. And that really laid this foundation. And so for your question about a consequence here, we we like had thought about this in terms of cultural benefit, let's say, and in, in providing this type of space in what we call now a platform. Well, that was it. And then like six months later, um, my firm had done the historic preservation of the Daily World Building a couple of doors down. Um, I found out that this property was for sale. And I walked in with no type of agenda or prescribed decision, just an open mind to see a space and walked in and was like, this is what we were talking about. This has this opportunity for culturally inspiring workspace. And caught the building under contract. And then it was only then that like I realized like three months later somehow that I was starting this business. And that's when your question became poignant to me. 
which is like, if we're going to be here in Sweet Auburn, if this is going to be culturally inspiring, meaning to focus on the different tenets of culture like art and literature and film and music and food and beverage and hospitality and these types of things, sport festival, like we need to really be thinking about what we're trying to do here. And this idea was like, oh, yeah, let's make a positive difference in the world. Well, that's great to say. But how are you going to do that? It's a big world. Sure. And ultimately, we decided that the way that we can make the biggest difference is to support other people who are doing the work day in and day out. And by us supporting others, Constellations is a platform, the individuals who are here supporting other individuals who are doing things like um, providing affordable um, legal counsel for labor law or supporting um, journalism with integrity or supporting, you know, uh, Good Mood as an example of a company here who, you know, is working to provide um, financial aid for traveling artists that have some type of economic hardship. If we're going to be supporting them, we will make a difference in the world. So that that is a long-winded answer to your question, but it's also the truth. Sure. And now we just try to um, keep that going while having some fun. Talk to me about the physical tenants that were important to you guys as the space was designed and and uh, ultimately completed uh, to create that environment you were looking to create. You know, for the folks that haven't been here or aren't seeing, uh, you know, the video aspect of this, how would you describe? Um, sort of the the nooks and crannies of constellations that you feel like, um, you know, were intentional in, in trying to create that environment? Yeah, I mean, some were intentional, but they were intentional like 111 years ago. Yeah. Like, um, as one example, when you, when you arrive at the building on Auburn Avenue and you look up at the pediment, there's this work of art and it's an open book and torch of knowledge. And that is the ethos here. And so... Mm-hmm. There was that with great intention placed there. Commercial real estate is a business and it's a subset of hospitality. And we realize that. And so in order to to start communicating that hospitality, we have welcome gold leaf to the front door. Um, You come in, there's this like really pretty kind of starry design, stark carpet that runs up the stairs. Um, You come into this, open welcome lobby. There's a logo wall and on that wall, you know, like most logo walls is a logo. There's also a Latin inscription, soul omnibus lucid, the sun shines upon us all. Um, This is a way really of expressing our interest in equality without coming out and saying equality for all, because uh, I think like that can be seen as some type of like catchphrase where this, this place and space was built upon that um, in a building that was built upon that in a district where Martin Luther King and John Wesley Dobbs and Jesse Hill and Coretta Scott King and Evelyn Lowry and many, many, many others came together to make it so. And uh, so I would say that that was very intentional. And then there's like this kind of like the intellect meets whimsy side 
um, which is why we named the coffee bar the Milky Way. Um, we have the North Star Library, which is it's really pretty. We have a mix of periodicals and books. We got a lot of them from Atlanta Vintage Books, kind of up toward Beaufort Highway, which is a fun spot to go if you're not allergic to cats. <laughs> um, <laughs> really cool spot. And um, I, I personally um, love the selection in the library. It was curated by Jamie Allen, who I mentioned before. Um, and Jamie is, I think like a lot of us um, here, um, intentional. Hmm. So some of the, like the magazines, let's say that we have, let's say that they were from like the fifties or the sixties or the seventies, what's being written in those magazines and talking about the future is today our past. And so if you can mix those in with things like, of course we have the AJC Atlanta champs, you know, freshly minted front page, then you can start to understand that this is, Yes, this is kind of like our moment, not constellations, like me and you and others as humans on the planet. And we're coming into other people's moments and things that they've been thinking about. So like the work that you all do on your show are, and, and hopefully in, in, in this um, episode, we're talking about things that, um, you know, folks might 20 years or 30 years or 50 years from now hear and um not only does it kind of provide a glimpse into what we think, it also provides an oral history. And I want to take a moment and say to you, one of the things that we're supporting here is preservation. Mm-hmm. And it's not just like the kind of sticks and bricks of this. It's, it's of equal importance to support oral history, um, which is why we built this studio. Sure. Original content creation, oral history, and the importance of it. What you're doing is capturing voices that once they're gone, they're gone. To have a record of it that others can hear later might be incredibly moving to an individual. Um, like, you know, I have a I have some recordings of my father who died eight years ago. They're yeah. priceless. Without a doubt. You know, yeah. these are these become these family heirlooms. Um, they can also be things that are, um, you know, educational in terms of like lessons learned that maybe not as personal of um, a sentiment, although equally beneficial in some other way. And so thank you for the work you do. You are the reason that we have this studio. We, we want to support folks who want to share voice. Um, and so uh, hopefully that is a good way to end on the, an intentional nature of this. Yeah, uh, place. absolutely. Well, no, I'm, I'm honored that you put us in that category, um, you know, without a doubt. And I think, you know, so often we take the approach of uh, what impact do our, our words or the content we create or um, the events that we hold have on you know, right now on our moment, as you, as you say, uh, you know, I know I could certainly benefit from being more intentional, uh, in thinking about what impact that has, you know, on my kids' generation, on their kids' generation, looking back at this moment in time and in Atlanta in particular and saying, 
okay, this is how we got here. You know, these are the folks that sort of, you know, shaped that, that direction. You so have kids? I do. I do. I've got uh, three and one more on the way. Okay. Yes. Congrats. Yes. Open invite. Bring them in and record them. Yeah. Because you know how, like, precious and darling the sound of that voice is as a young kid. Absolutely. I was really, really fortunate growing up in New Orleans, which a lot of like who we are comes from like where we are. Sure. Which I think again, I mean, this isn't gonna be a show just complimenting your show the whole time. <laughs> but like, <laughs> to, um, but, it, but at, least, at least one or two more times, you're helping to let people know where they're from. Hmm. When you, that's vitally important because if you know where you are, you can understand kind of where you're going. It's sure. also important, important to know where you've been, which is why I'm very into preservation. Hmm. Um, because it under, helps you understand where you even are in any event. In New Orleans, it's like the way that I kind of explain it is people will ask, have you ever been to Mardi Gras? And I ask them if they've ever been to Monday. <laughs> you, know, it, you just, you are there, okay? Yeah. So when it comes time for like being exposed to things, growing up in New Orleans, uh, it was fortuitous. And I had me and my sister, parents that were, exposing us to many things, including some artists and musician friends. Mm -hmm. And some of these folks had recording studios. So for my seventh birthday, we went over to this guy named Rusty Kershaw's um, recording studio. So his, his brother, Doug Kershaw, uh, wrote and famously recorded the song Jambalaya. Mm -hmm. If you're gonna be mixing any music, this might be a nice time. <laughs> um, and went there. And Rusty had a friend over, Art Neville. And the Neville brothers, for those of you who don't know, are an incredible band, multi-Grammy award-winning band out of New Orleans. Mm -hmm. And my sister and I are on this, um, this recorded um, piece of our own personal history where we're doing things like reciting Shel Silverstein and telling jokes and listening to Art Neville play Sitting Here in Limbo. Mm. It's incredible. And so wow. I, I've, I've just liked that um, part of what audio can, can hold. And so like, I'm bringing that up for this notion or invitation for you and your kids. Mm. They're going to have their own tape or whatever it is, digital, as we know. Disc file. <laughs> yeah, whatever they, we don't even know what it's going to be in the future, but right. they're going to have access to tap back into their young self. And that's going to be their own heirloom. I was fortunate to have it. Yeah, a thousand percent. And my wife and I talk about all the time uh, how fortunate this, uh, maybe not even my kids' generation, but their kids are going to have all these visual elements of their family history that you and I never even got to enjoy. We have we we saw pictures of our parents, but yeah. they were few and far between, right? Yeah. Like maybe you may have images in your head of four or five pictures of your parents over the course of the, the first 20 years of your life because maybe that's all you had in your house growing up. That's right. Our kids will have videos, pictures, just hundreds and hundreds of elements to to look at their parents you know uh, uh 
you know, upbringing to look at their grandparents uh, upbringing, um, which I'm excited about for them, you know, as a, as someone who uh, values and, and loves history, I'm excited about that for them. Yeah. And, you know, um, I'm glad we're talking about this because this is the, the reason that we're doing the work that we do in terms of cultural development. And I said like before, it's important to have like a financial success because then others will do it. But we're, we're led by things like you're just describing. Mm. And those pictures and videos and recordings are happening in places like um, coffee shops that we've been fortunate enough to like work with and help bring to the world, like working with one of your former guests, Kitty Murray, mm-hmm. Refuge Coffee. Yeah. Um, would you like to hear how she ended up in Sweet Auburn? I would love to. Okay. Yes, I love the sy- the synergy here between, I know and Kitty would appreciate it too, I'm sure. Yeah. So we have um, so Constellations, it, yes, it's a separate business than Gene Kansas Commercial Real Estate. They really are like kind of hand in hand. And in, in fact, I think more often than that, things are just, more often than um, not, things are flowing through Constellations instead of through Gene Kansas. Mm-hmm. Anyway, at Constellations, we have something called Periodical, and it's an articles club. So think book club with less commitment. <laughs> so you can like, if you can spend 15 minutes, 10, 15 minutes reading something, you can participate in a meaningful conversation. Sure. And so we did uh, a periodical. The article was about the design of the in-home espresso maker called Mocha Express um, that came out in the 1950s and its role in liberating women in Italy. (laughs) And we learned about this from a cultural partnership with the Museum of Design Atlanta, who was having an exhibit on the art of espresso. So basically... This, um, this show that showed the design of espresso machines from the mid-century forward. And the, for periodical, we always like to have some guest that's relevant to the conversation. And so we're like, oh, um, this is about coffee and women in coffee. We think that this person, Kitty Murray, who I didn't know personally, looks and sounds amazing, let's invite her. And as you know, she's generous and gracious and fun. And so she joined for this conversation. And we talked about this Mocha Express and how during the 1950s in Italy, uh, women were not allowed in cafes. And when women could start making coffee at home via this simply designed product, they started buying coffee and they started making the coffee and inviting friends over and having conversations. Mm-hmm. And so they started to be part of coffee culture. And the coffee companies said, you know, it seems like we might be missing half of the market. <laughs> uh, maybe we should invite women into, you know, the sure. cafes. Right. Okay. So Kitty and I like became friends through this yeah. um, conversation and knowing the work that Refuge Coffee does in terms of job training, leadership development, supporting of the refugee community in Clarkston, the welcoming community. I asked Kitty if she would like to think about expanding into the beloved community. Hmm. And we happen to have a space available a couple of doors down at the Daily World. And she said, yes. Yeah. And it's just wonderful. Um, 
how the cultural development, in this case, in terms of a literature program, she ended up in being able to support refugees just a few doors down. Absolutely. And she's amazing. She is. in in uh, Refuge, as a, as a business and as a community, uh, will just continue to enhance uh, the things that are great about this neighborhood, without a doubt, I know, in the future. Um, They're another form of constellations. I mean, yeah. you know, constellations, this idea of these stars coming together, and um, it is... We, we talked about this a lot before we opened, too. If we we're insular, we would be failing. It has to go beyond the walls. And so if we can connect with like a community partner like Moda, and then that connects us with Refuge, and then, you know, somehow through that, Refuge is connected to like the Woodruff Arts Center where they just opened, and then someone visiting Atlanta gets to have a nice cup of coffee while they're seeing some type of, you know, art exhibit. That's a good thing. Sure. You know, that that's, you're, again, you're doing it in a different way. I believe firmly that through like the video production you do, through the radio, that's cultural development. That is as vital, if not more important than the actual space we're in. In fact, they're symbiotic because if, you know, we as people are not um, in a building or in a park, or in a museum, or whatever it is, well, that place is, like, nearly irrelevant. <laughs> Think about it. Yeah. And then it's, like, truest park without any people right. playing or watching. What's the point of having the thing? And um, But at the same time, the people being um, together um, in this place that is facilitating the gathering has... A value to it, right? Well, and the the whole thought too of community building uh, is is different than uh, the typical construction of a building. In that, we as uh, as um, the creator are, if we're responsible for building the whole thing, it won't work, right? Community building is one person laying a brick, and then the next person laying a brick, and then the next person laying a brick until you you've created this community or this this, um, you know, center of gravity behind something that, that works, you know, that's hard for me sometimes as, um, you know, whether it's, you know, the type, type, uh, three Enneagram or whatever, you know, sort of uh, model you want to attach to it of, okay, I want my hands on it as much as possible. And I want to put everything I am into something until it reaches this point. But something that I've had to learn as an adult, uh, as a as a father and as a husband is sometimes, you know, sometimes you just have to lay the first brick, right, yeah, and then turn true. turn it over to somebody else, which is a, you know, a, a very applicable picture to what you guys are doing here in Constellations as well. Yeah, and I yeah. think that that is how community building occurs. In fact, you know, this first workshop we did was about culturally inspiring workspace. The second we did was about community building, and what we figured out is that you can't build community. You can provide the things that people want and need, laying the brick, they build community. Sure. You know, it's like, um, you can't build the community of Braves fans. All you can do is cobble together this unbelievable <laughs> like <laughs> team and season yeah. and put it on some TV or give people the opportunity to go out to the ballpark. 
right. get a hot dog and a beer and like they're they'll do the community building to reference another great work of art if you build it they will come yes. right you know yes. so yes no it's it's very applicable gene the last thing i want to do before i let you go is you know we talked about the significance of um you know our our home of origin you know where, where we grew up what got us to this point we talked about uh sort of the history of constellations i'm curious about your history what led you to the city of Atlanta? What led you into sort of uh, dedicating your career to um, sort of the path that it's ultimately taken? Guns and Roses. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's so funny. Thanks, I was... thanks for joining us on this episode <laughs> of Atlanta Morning Brand. <laughs> That's awesome. That'd be a decent enough time to stop. Um, I was in high school. Yeah. And in between, um, you know, essentially like senior junior year and senior year um summer we found out that guns and roses was playing in birmingham hmm. and we're like that sounds fun so we went and then we had a great time we're like let's parlay this thing into a braves game which hmm. we did at fulton county stadium and coming to this city, coming from a wonderful city of New Orleans, like New Orleans is home. Hmm. Atlanta's also home, just it had not been home yet. Sure. But coming here and seeing a bigger city with bigger um, sports and, and look, New Orleans music's incredible. Unbelievable. Um, going though to this like gigantic rock and roll show and like skid row play and everything else like, and then coming here um after i was like this place is incredible i'm moving here after college now keep in mind i had not even applied to a college yet <laughs> i've just i've made some pretty big life decisions apropos of a feeling and i knew that atlanta would be a good spot for me and so i came here after college um, I went to the University of Arizona. I have a degree in entrepreneurship. Huh. Later in life, I'm a late bloomer. So later when I turned 40, I'm 48 now. I went to grad school, got a master's in digital media at Georgia Tech. Okay. At this point, after Arizona, um, I just moved to Atlanta. And it was a good time to be moving here because not only did Atlanta still have Freaknik, which was a lot of fun, <laughs> but it also had the Olympics coming. And so yeah. the world was coming here. And I'll make a long story short, but um, I published a book um, in college, um, wrote and published a book called Police Beat, um, ended up selling like pretty good amount of copies, something like 10,000 copies. Um, for reference, like John Grisham's first book sold 5,000. Hmm. He's clearly gone on to decimate me since. <laughs> but anyway, um, I was able to kind of like show that book to Turner and I got a job as a content developer for TNT. Hmm. So being in, in at Turner, kind of on the eve of the Olympics was great. Um, from there, went to work for Atlanta Magazine. So I got to like learn like all the best places to go get like barbecue and fried chicken yep. and things like yep. that. And Which um, Atlanta Magazine still does a good job. <laughs> they do. Yes. And good people. Some of the people that I worked with then are still there. Hey, y'all. Wow. Um, hey, guys. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but then I started my own marketing and advertising agency, which ultimately 
um, focused on real estate. But when I say real estate, I'm talking about being on the planet um, because we're all sharing the earth and it's important to be considerate of neighbors and to understand like what we're doing, what we're building, how we're programming. And so the marketing that we were doing for real estate were the things like were to, you know, not only get a great martini close to whatever the project was we're marketing, but like, how is that martini being served? Is it in a brandy sniffer at the Highland Tap? Was it Gary Yackel that came up with that <laughs> recipe? Like we were getting into it. And then by the way, like their steaks are good too. That type of thing. Or like talking about the Freedom Park pathway and things yeah. like that. And so um, that ultimately... Uh, the, that marketing and writing and understanding of the city better ultimately led to kind of like more real estate proper. And that's what we're doing here today. We're enjoying some of the work in the form of a studio, um, sharing, telling stories. I love it. Well, in the interest of, of both yours and, and the listeners' time, I, I would like to ask of you if we can, uh, not in the show, but simply put a pause because I do feel like we're just scratching the surface and uh, have no doubt that another conversation down the line would, would not only be appropriate, but, but necessary. So, sir, thank you for, for having me today. Thank you for taking your time to be on the show. Head over to genekansas.com to learn more about the work they're doing in the Atlanta community. Atlanta Born and Brand is a production of Connects Media. Make sure and follow the show on social media at ATL Born Brand on Instagram and like our Atlanta Born and Brand Facebook page. This season, we have launched a brand new video series to coincide with our ATL Bounce Back theme. Subscribe to the Atlanta Born and Brand YouTube channel for that content and more. Lastly, if you love the show, please spread the word. Share it with your friends and leave a rating and review on your favorite podcast app. Your support helps make sure that more and more people hear the stories of all those folks doing great things all over the city. For Atlanta Born and Brand and Connects Media, I'm Jonathan Hilliard. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you all soon.